Let me repeat this. Is this your final answer? This is my final answer. You just won a million dollars! Hello again. I'm back with another bonus segment. This time about my favorite episode from season one. The Millionaire episode. Or the Abandoned Malls episode, depending on which story you found most interesting from that show. And this was the episode about the meteoric rise and fall of ABC's hit television show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And how that lesson from that story shares a surprising intersection with the rise and fall of the American shopping mall. It was a story about corporate greed, politics, and systemic exploitation. Except upon closer examination, it was also about things that we all struggle with. It was a lesson about something known as present bias, or hyperbolic discounting, depending on what academic circle you find yourself in. To jog your memory, my argument was that the reason ABC mismanaged their trivia show was the same reason why we built too many shopping malls, which is the same reason why we struggle to save for retirement or accurately predict what movie we'll want to watch in the future. We don't always make the right long-term decision, the decision that would be more valuable over the course of its life. Your retirement fund, your house, your car, have you always been able to avoid that present bias, that feeling that having something now is more valuable than having more later? I know I certainly haven't. This episode didn't have any bonus material or studies I didn't include in the original recording, but it does have something else. It has a counter-argument. You see, sometimes I re-listen to my episodes weeks later looking for ways to argue against them. I mean, if you're in the business of shooting holes in other people's arguments, the only fair thing to do is to put yourself under the same scrutiny. And in the case of the millionaire episode, here's a bit of a contrarian perspective you could take to my thesis. So yes, it's tough to argue against the fact that the ABC producers overexposed this show. They made this decision to maximize and prioritize short-term profit over long-term potential. They pumped out more than 300 episodes of Millionaire in like three years. They ran it three or four times a week in prime time and everyone got sick of it. But here's a fair counter question. Are there some instances where present bias, you know, where favoring immediate payoffs over potentially greater long-term rewards actually is the right strategy to take? Just a few years after ABC killed Millionaire, NBC found themselves in a somewhat similar dilemma. Missy Silverman. They took this adapted game show they stumbled upon from the Netherlands and put it in prime time in December of 2005. 
Deal or No Deal was not Millionaire, but it was a hit. The initial week-long event peaked at more than 14 million viewers. Now, the demise of Millionaire should have been fresh in the minds of the NBC producers. They just watched what happens when you overexpose a program to your audience. But faced with the same quandary, NBC did the exact same thing. They ran Deal or No Deal twice, sometimes three times a week in 2006 and 2007. And during that time, it was a top 20 program. They produced something close to 300 episodes of the show in just three years, which is only about 100 less than ABC did with Millionaire during its network run. And just like with Millionaire, the audience got sick of Deal or No Deal, and the show all but vanished after a limited, unsuccessful run in daytime syndication. Now, this does compel me to ask the question, are there industries where present bias is actually a winning strategy? And if so, well, are primetime TV game shows one of them? No matter how careful you are, will game shows inevitably run their course in primetime and stale to audiences regardless of what you do? If so, wouldn't it benefit you to milk them for all they're worth in the short time you're able to hold America's collective fascination with them? And in that case, shouldn't we applaud ABC for maximizing millionaires' revenue potential in such a short amount of time? If you subscribe to this argument, the result has this pretty elegant connecting point. Because then, the story of who wants to be a millionaire rather perfectly ties into my 10th episode from this season, into the last Blockbuster episode. My argument of why Blockbuster might not have been obliterated by Netflix or by anything they could have reasonably controlled. Some businesses, some ideas, they might have a finite expiration date no matter what you do to prevent or prolong them. What if this was the case? You know, what if Millionaire has more to do with the lesson of Blockbuster than it does with the oversaturation of the American shopping mall? This is a worthy counter-argument, but I don't buy it. I still tend to fall back to my original position. I think networks are run by humans, humans just like you and me, and it's tough for all of us to overlook short-term rewards in favor of a bigger, potentially much better payoff in the future. And in the case of TV, an industry where you're only as good as what you have done most recently, the pressure to win the most eyeballs immediately only increases the chances that poor decisions will be made. In fact, I think it's probable that NBC looked over at ABC, who managed to wring out $1 billion in revenue from overexposing Millionaire, and said to themselves, we need to do that too. What you and I see as a lesson in deferred incentives to the networks, it might just be a lesson in finding the quickest path to this year's breadwinner. This is David Giardino. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with my final bonus segment from season one. 